have watched. Unguided, we have helped them progress. And seen them accomplish wonders. Throughout the years, we have never interfered. Until... Spider-Man, E.T. phone home. <laughs> All right, we're done with home uh, phone things. Welcome back to the Wages of Cinema. All right. Yeah. I've done that joke before, but welcome back. I am becoming God. No, not really. Uh, but we're going to talk about gods or people. Fake, spot, uh, fake space gods. Fake space gods. Pretenders, a lot of them. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are all creations of. Uh, now nah, we're gonna we're gonna skip. Not wait to go that. We have a lot of spoilers. What are we gonna say? What the podcast is really about? This is the ways of cinema, and this is about the new Marvels movie. Uh, the Marvels Marvel movie, The Eternals, and uh, talking about this tonight is me, Jack, and with Trash us, Panda Corey. Full set, Andrew. Uh, oh, yeah, Andrew. I don't have a nickname. <laughs> Just Andrew, and of course... Material Opticon Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing it back. Were there Material Opticons in this movie? No. Okay. Well, there was a lot in this movie. And, um, and I think going into this movie, I think we, we, all, we all had slightly different ways of getting in, because we... I think some of us were reading reviews and some of us were not. And some of us maybe had expectations in a certain way. My expectations were pretty low because I had seen the headline saying that that this is one of the basically saying that this is one of the worst Marvel movies to come out. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, and that's quite a headline to make about, you know, movie and you know, I'm sure sometimes that might pan out to be true. I mean, we'll see if it is the case for us and all in this room. But, um, I don't know. Like, yeah, because I had seen those headlines, too. I had seen the Rotten Tomatoes score that currently I think it's resting at, like, 50%, which... You know, 49. Oh, it lowered to 49? Oh, no, it doesn't own a stake in this business anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um... But what I'll start off in saying, I think in a way, maybe it helped for me to come into the movie with pretty middling to low expectations because I was actually pretty interested in this movie. I'm going to use that word interesting or interesting a lot. And that might, maybe that sounds like a put down, but I ultimately come out somewhat positive about this movie, even though I have issues with it. Me too. I, I, I like this. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a good movie. I cannot understand the critical, like, drubbing these movies. I understand at the, all. what's going no, on. No, I do too. <laughs> I, re I, I totally understand because it took me a while to actually get into the movie. I mean, but, I have my criticisms um, of this movie, and I still think it probably would have been better as, like, a Disney Plus show than as a movie because it's trying to do so much. But I still like this movie, and I would recommend it. And yeah. I, you know, have my criticisms, but I liked it. I thought it was I'm good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had low expectations of this, too, because I don't care about the Eternals in the comics. 
and then they made a whole movie about them. But then I watched it and I said, oh, actually, they did a pretty good job with this. I think none of us were invested in this film at all. I know nothing about the Eternals. Matt, you seem to know as much about them as I do. Everything I learned about them, I learned against my will. (laughs) (laughs) And we were talking about this. Everybody, we were going into the movie and we were just like, yeah, this is probably going to suck. We couldn't quite get excited for it. That was the the thing. But it was like, we were all together and we're we're just going to watch it. And somehow, that, <laughs> well, we're here. Might as well try to like sink in. We've it. already eaten. And, we can't do, eat another meal. We just got to yeah. go do and, something else. And the thing for me is like, I don't want to necessarily go into a Marvel movie like, oh, this is going to suck. I mean, you know, with a couple of, ex- you know, few exceptions. I mean, I've generally enjoyed slash loved a lot of the Marvel movies. Like, I think that they are consistent entertainment in, you know, a, a kind of, just big, you know, spectator kind of way. And but they, what you got to admit is this film is different. It is. And that's, it absolutely is. And that's probably where a lot of the flack is coming from. It's a it's a very different Marvel movie, which I think is a good thing. I do too. Uh, even ultimately. though it is it is an imperfect attempt at something new. I mean, I'm not saying this. You should be different for the sake of novelty. One of the complaints I hear from everybody, even people who like Marvel movies, is that they're all the same. I've said this about a lot of Marvel movies, where you know, where it's like whether it's Ant Man, Doctor Strange, and Iron Man, they have the same basic story. Yeah, this one at least was something. They took a much different approach. Yeah, I mean, they they took a different approach. I mean, I was telling Corey right after the movie that um, when we were before we headed out that like. It's funny, like, if I looked at my basic star rating, like, I almost, it might almost be the same as, like, Black Widow, but my reactions to the movies are very different. Like, True, because, Black Widow, because as we all know, stars are bullshit. So... <laughs> I will not hear this. No, I, what I mean, though, in a general sense is, I kind of recommend these movies, but it's, but ultimately why I come down that way is different for each one. Like Black Widow's aims are a lot more modest and it more or less kind of hit what it was trying to do. Eternals is creating its own mythology within what is an already existing mythology in this universe. It's a much more ambitious film and they gave it the amount of time it needed to to go with to take that content and run with it yeah which is a really which is a really brave decision and i think it was the right decision as well yeah yeah i think so too like and to give like to try to do you want to try to bottle up how what what this movie sort of is to like i will uh i will lay out the synopsis as best i can thank you the eternals are superheroes from another planet who are sent to Earth to protect it from evil creatures that try to kill humans. And they have to stay there and protect humans until the celestial being that sent them there sends them home. Unfortunately, the evil... Uh, uh, what are they called? Shoot. Deviants. Deviants, thank you. The deviants come back and they got to figure out what's going on and why they're back. Yeah, and if this means that, you know, the world is, you know, at stake and... The world is always at stake. I mean, it is, but this in this in this case, it feels like more at staker. <laughs> it's a stakier kind of piece. 
Um, the, the stakes are well established. Yeah, these they, are well done stakes. They are, and 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 especially because you're dealing with, like the the opening of the movie has almost the, or at least I don't know if it quite reaches it, but it's aiming for something close to like the opening of two thousand one, where you have like these beings from another world that are visiting you know, man before they were fully, you know, or on, they're on the cusp of having civilization. And they, you know, the opening scene is them, is, you know, people, you know, on a beach watching these Eternals, you know, battling out with deviants. And they're just like, what is this? And, you know, they, to them, they are witnessing gods. Yep. And that is, you know, shaping them. Now, Jack Kirby did a comic book adaptation of 2001. That they did? Yes. Wow, and, you know, interesting point. And, he, I, and I've read that. Yes, and he decided that what 2001 was missing was a purple robot with Inspector Gadget ability. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I And that is our main, that is our uh, creator in this story. Arisham? Is that how it's pronounced? No, I'm talking about X-51, the machine man. What? Yeah, yeah, Jack. Oh, oh, you mean X the two thousand? Yeah, oh, you mean the two thousand one? I yes. forgot about that. That he added that into the story. How could you forget I, that? I thought Jack? you meant that he created the Eternals. He did that too. To address... That's a different story. Oh my God! Wow, yeah. I forgot. You know what the story that. is missing. He said when he read the script, <laughs> Angelina Jolie. <laughs> Do you know what's actually a good structural comparison to this movie, even though genre-wise it's totally different? No. And I know you've seen this movie, Jack. I don't know if Matt and Andrew mm. have. Have either of you seen the movie Love Actually? No. Yeah. Love Actually? Really? Well, here's why. All right, here we go. Love Actually, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's a romantic comedy but it is a very, like, episodic, like, vignette-type structure, and it's toggling a very large ensemble cast. And the thing that makes Love Actually better than a lot of other romantic comedies is the cast is so big, and you jump between them so often that you get a really nice, like, broad... Um, take on you know what it means to fall in love like you check in on a bunch of different perspectives and not all the plot lines work in love actually and not all the characters are good mm. but most of them are good enough and the structure of the movie um yeah it gives you a very you know it's like a whitman's like chocolate sampler you get like this is what it means to fall in love and you taste like a dozen different flavors of like mm. what it means to fall in so, love. So just to be clear, Eternals is like Love Actually, which is like a Whitman sampler. <laughs> yes, well basically Eternals. So is the Whitman sampler like Eternals? Yeah, I could have just gone with that, couldn't I? But I just, didn't think just of trying it. to make sure that 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 everything is transitive. But just I like this movie, of, everything's connected. But I thought of Love Actually when actually watching the movie, mm. and I just saw the Whitman well, sampler now. The thing with the Eternals is I thought it was kind of like a Whitman sampler, pers like a variety of perspectives on what it would mean to be immortal. Like, it was, again, we're jumping between, like, a large cast, it's a very large ensemble, and you're jumping back in time a lot, so... I think yeah. it has a kind of like episodic well, structure, hmm. but 
Mm. What I liked about it was I really mm. liked every like main character except for one, which is a pretty well, good batting average. And I really liked the diversity of perspectives um, in terms of things like what does it mean to live forever? What does it mean to deal with these powers? So I liked that this big cast gave us a lot of different like entryways to the like thematic questions of the movie. Yeah, and and they do juggle this cast pretty well because while watching it, I never really thought that any one person was unnecessary. They at least yeah. they at least kept all these balls in the air pretty well, and if they stumble at at, at times, it's still like they're still they still keep going, and the film never comes to a halt. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of agree as well. Like, I think it does a good job also of giving you all these new characters that you've never, you know, you haven't seen them before. And it's through the structure of also, you know, it's, it's the, we're putting the team back together type of story, which you've seen a lot of times. And, you know, even at first I almost thought like going into this, is this going to be like Watchmen? Cause you're having like, bringing this group back together actually all right so did was alan moore riffing on eternals no no i don't think this is a plot from eternals comics okay the eternals movie is riffing on Watchmen. okay (laughs) no i mean but well also too with the whole thing of you're bringing this group back together to face this existential threat while also you know having lots of flashbacks to fill in the gaps which you know i think at times for me it I think what the the biggest issue for me was just in the first, I think, like maybe half hour, 45 minutes, it took me a little time, I think, to get into the movie. I think because it, it, I think it's that first, there's a big action scene at night in, uh, I think, London, mm-hmm. where you first are seeing really, aside from that prologue in five uh, 5,000 BC or whatever, you know, when you're seeing how these, a few of the Eternals are trying to fight the Deviant, and you have that, and then you're introducing kind of like the key threat with, uh, um, you know, Richard Madden and, uh, and and Gemma Chan and, and those characters. And I just wasn't into it at first. I thought it was just a little clunky in exposition. And it was weird. Like, there was this all... Then when they finally introduce... Um, is it Arisham? Am I pronouncing that right? Yes, Arisham. Arisham. And he lays out like what the real deal is at first i was kind of groaning and i look over at Corey, and she's like i kind of like this and i went i actually had a double take in my brain i was like <laughs> wait a minute i kind of like that too <laughs> it's like wait, very... my wife likes it i should like no it too. no 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 it made me it, it i suddenly thought more about like it, it, it suddenly the movie then started to click more for me and that and then as they introduced more characters and I started to under like I started to get more with it. I I basically kind of guessed what was going on. Well, in, in in sort of broad strokes, where it's like the specifics don't matter. What I figured is I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's just like you figure from the setup that not everything is what it seems. Yeah, that something about Arisham is not quite square. Yeah, and I was dreading the possibility that that would not be revealed until the end of the second act. Yeah. But but it but, in, my, it, but be- in the back of my mind I was just like, okay, if you do the smart thing to do is 
if you have this sort of predictable plot, you, you reveal it at the end of the third first act. Where it's just like you get yeah. that predictable idea out of the way, and then you just go with it and and follow through to the second act. Yeah, and it's just like they got rid of that. Where it's just like you were right to look to Corey and say, "This is what's going on," but it's like they got it out of the way at the right time. Yeah, because the rest of the movie just runs with that plot. In retrospect, I like the scene more. Like when I take the movie in some, when Arisham explains what's really been what his deal is really with the deviants and what he well, I say he I'm amusing fine you know what this god did with the eternals and his whole deal with them and it, it, it but it kind of gels with how you know I'm you know, it, a lot of these you know god beings in comics and movies like this work where they're just like no I am right I am doing this but oh crap this got away from me yeah. <laughs> and I ultimately like that, and that groundwork then is there. So then the rest of the movie is okay. These characters and the, the you're movie doesn't get them. stuck on its own problems. No, no, it keeps moving. I again, I was a little bored early on when I think they were showing more of the flashbacks that weren't as interesting to me. Um, and some, I think maybe some of it was some of the dialogue was a bit leaden. Um, but as I said, then as it kept going on, I almost didn't mind that. And I even liked some of the exposition more, even though it was still at times a bit clunky. Yeah. And that's the big problem with this film. Yeah. The script is not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that it's not good. It's just, there's so much packed in as Corey said, it should have had a little room to breathe. Maybe not even as like a long season of a show, but like, Maybe like four or five episodes or something. No, I don't think that's it at all. It's just like the lines come out kind of flat. A yeah. Lot the, the the writer makes choices of, I'm going to use this very common phrase instead of something that's a little more interesting. The yeah. words that people say are just not as interesting. When it's just like, when two people are making love in the sand, which is seems really weird, actually, now that I'm thinking about <laughs> it. When two people make love in the sand, you don't need to have one say, I love you. Of course they love each other. That, I can see that you love each other. You're having sex in the yeah, sand. That Nothing is stopping you. That the scene of the movie, by the yeah, way. Yeah! That was not good. Like, And, you nope. know, I had known that scene was coming. I had read about that, like, there, there was hype and not necessarily... I don't know if it was positive or negative, but it was just like... Oh my God! There's the first real sex scene in a Marvel movie. But even then, it's could... just like it's uncomfortable. Yeah. You, if you want to make love, you go into a room where but, there's a bed or but, or it's tent. They don't even know? lean into the uncomfortability of it. It's just the most boring thing possible. When they have two gorgeous people going at it, there's no like humor yeah. at all. It, it, the the basic geometry of it: there's a woman lying down naked on the sand. A man lies on top of her. That's basically all we saw. You, and I'm not asking for boobs and and thrusting. I, I'm, I'm just like, it was a pretty awkward looking scene. I could take some boobs and thrusting. I know it would never happen. In I, it would be movie. great. I'm not saying it would be bad, but it's like, I knew we weren't going to get that. No. But, I, and, but it's just like, and, they're lying on top of each and, other like Tetris and, blocks. And then to me, like, that also, it opens some more questions, and this is me getting into maybe nitpicking. Do eternals territory. have penises? <laughs> Why wouldn't they? Well, apparently they do. Well, actually, well, we don't even see. Maybe they don't. Do they? Well, have, why but so, they? so Eternals have orgasms? They're totally humanoid in every aspect. But, or, what, did we see them have orgasms? 
Uh, they kind of they kind of moved and they seemed breathless, but you know, I, I don't know. You could have. I think I, I think we've say gotten it. a little off track. No, but but, but I'm not saying this isn't worth it. No, no, but that scene is indicative of like not a an issue throughout, but it's at points where it's like. Okay, maybe we don't need this moment. Like, maybe we could have cut this out to tighten like, things a little bit. I, I mean, it just seems like when the film makes choices, it makes very bland choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes that's the case. Although you know, so, although you know, eventually, you, when you do settle into that film and you see more characters and you have a little more interaction, they turn the characters do turn out to be more interesting than they appear. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when when Kumail Nanjiani appears. Oh yeah, and he's like he and one his of, friend. He, his... He's one of the best characters in the movie. Yeah, I mean, you could almost have a criticism that he's him and his friend are more of like the quote unquote typical Marvel type of thing, where it's just like we're gonna be a little bit more jokey. But I think you need that because, I mean, that in my mind, if you were like an Eternal, why wouldn't you become a movie star? You know that in the comics, Kingo is actually Japanese. Oh. Yes, that's really weird that they changed him into, like, not Japanese and didn't, didn't have another Japanese character to, like, replace him if they were race-spinning him. Well, they probably think that, like, apparently the comics were not successful, so they probably think, like, nobody cares. Yeah. And it's not a whitewashing <clears throat> thing. No, so. but it's just strange that, like, oh, there's, like, one ethnicity is completely replaceable, even though they're not, like... Like they it. wanted a cool Bollywood scene, yeah, and I, I liked the. No, no, I I liked it too. too. But like, it, it made me want to see like a full. That was one of those moments where it's like that Disney Plus idea could have benefited. Like, imagine a full episode showing what his life was like. Yeah. Or or not a full episode, but a little bit more into that, and you know, like the fact that it, it's kind of played as a gag, but like he shows. How he's been a movie star for a hundred years. He's like, first it was my great grandfather, then my grandfather, then my father, not me. <laughs> what is, what would you guys think of actually making Druig and Makari kind of the main romance of the movie? Because I actually thought they had more heat in their yes. admittedly like limited interactions, but yeah. I thought there was some real like I thought there was some sizzle there where I don't think Cersei and Icarus like had, like, hot chemistry at all. I could buy that they had, like, mournful missing of each other. I could buy... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they had kind of, like, gentle, weepy Hallmark movie chemistry, not, like, let's fuck chemistry. Right, right. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Yeah. Drake right. and Makari in, again, like, I don't think they had, like, that much time together plot wise but i thought those actors like really played off each other well yeah yeah i want to talk for a second about um well i mean again there's a whole big cast of characters here you have a couple of big stars i mean and angelina jolie yeah as thena she was one of the more fascinating characters to me and i i felt like she had a little bit like i felt some kind of emotion with her that was hard to pinpoint because i think it's just like she's the one who pity <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I don't know pity. I guess I think it's more just that like she's the one that first really kind of breaks up from them because she like goes like kind of crazy and like almost starts attacking them. Yeah, in that she one is, scene, and then her memory ill. 
yeah, she's mentally ill. She gets her memory wiped. Um, no, she, she doesn't get her memory wiped, per se. It's just that she has to leave to keep her memories from being wiped. Yeah. Hmm, okay, yeah. Without hurting anybody. Yeah. yeah, and she almost, she has to go back to, like, this kind of primitive state. Like, when they were, come back to her, she's, like, almost drawing, like, a like cave paintings. Like, very, I don't know called cave paintings is right. She's but... doing frantic impressionist art. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, I thought she was, she was someone who I really thought, re like, I don't know what it is about her character, but I I liked her performance a lot whenever she was on screen. I thought she was, like, really bringing it. She, she shows the cost of this entire plan, where it's just, you know, I, I'm not going to yeah. say exactly what the plan is, but it's just, you know, again, things aren't what they seem. The, fact, the whole mission that they're taking on takes its toll on people, even if they don't quite know why. Yeah, and she's the one who gets who gets the worst of it, mm -hmm. and you know, and the the pro the, the big deal is that she's the best warrior of everybody, and she's this really strong person. She's physically strong; she can fight well, but she, you know, her mind doesn't work right, and she's yeah. You know, and you see, she was once the the strong, the mightiest person in the whole thing, and now yeah. she's just she can barely function. Yeah, yeah, she has berserker dementia. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's so many there when I think she back, ends up they're... hurting the people she loves because yeah. of how how mm -hmm. how ill she is. Yeah. I think in general like she and a number of actors, I think this is a case where as we said just before Andrew like the script has some, you know, issues as far as just bland at times bland it's bland, dialogue. It's bland especially writing, for bland especially dialogue. for especially for I felt a little bad for Selma Hayek. Yeah, hers I think was she, the blandest of all. Yeah, that like she again. I think maybe part of it's because the character is like again. She's the original leader of the group. Um, she is the uh, she is the Leonardo of the group. <laughs> oh, well, Leonardo's a little better than that. <laughs> no, you're I'm probably not trying not. to put down the Ninja Turtles. I'm just saying she's the no. Of the you're group. you're right. Yeah, you know, there's a little bit of Ninja Turtle dynamic going on at points in this movie. <laughs> you have, like, the leader, you have the angry one, you have the one who's kind of trying to make more jokes, you have the one who's really good with the gadgets. Party dude. <laughs> yeah, party dude. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah, and and at the end of the movie, they're all eating pizza. <laughs> ah! <laughs> there you go. And it's funny, though, because I've used it. The Ninja Turtle dynamic is... Uh, no, that's Spoiler alert. All right. Pizza. Yeah, but I think this is a case, what I was about to say, is the actors actually, I think, elevate a lot of the material. Sure. Like, they have real presence there. They really try to bring extra emotion to scenes that, you know, maybe wouldn't have them if you had, like, a lesser filmmaker. And more importantly, you know, as we said, it's about a three-hour movie that everybody gets enough time. Yeah. What? Or you should say the thing you want to say about Kit Harrington. Oh, Kit Harrington displays more range in his approximately seven minutes of screen time in this <laughs> film than he did in the entire run of Game of Thrones. Like, I could not believe it. I think when we reviewed Shang-Chi, I went on a long rant about how Kit Harrington was my nemesis and Jon Snow was, like, just, oh, just, like, awful. But I had never seen Kit Harrington act in anything else before this. And again, he's definitely not, he's not one of the main characters. He's a supporting character, but 
he can actually act. Well, he's oh, no. gi- he's yeah. given space to be like a romantic leading man. He- what, what <laughs> I think more importantly, he's given a finite amount of time to really stand out. You know, you give there's a little bit of pressure on him to actually perform. And yeah. whereas where it's just like, you know, and and he doesn't have to do a lot. He no. can concentrate his effort on one role and he can just make that work. Well, he, and then he's gone. Seven minutes, and yeah. that's all he needs. And well, Jack said he smiled, which obviously he literally never did once in the entire <laughs> run of Game of Thrones. And he can move his face. Well, yes. I think that, like, you know, mm-hmm. when you're a bastard son of Ned Stark, you just have lost the smile gene. <laughs> Do you have more Kid Harrington thoughts? Um, like, I, even his confusion face wasn't like a pain confusion face all the time. It had variety to his confusion. Yeah, I... You know, you think I'm being, like, cute or hyperbolic? I am absolutely not. He demonstrates more range in this movie than the entire run of Game of Thrones. I was pleasantly surprised by his performance. Yeah, me too. Me too, and... If anything, I might have thought he had more range than uh, Richard Madden. I wouldn't go that far. No, Richard Madden has his moments. I just am... Yeah, I think it's the character more than Richard Madden that was Mm. the issue. But that's a a whole other thing. I think that's the other difference in in this movie. Harrington has to be a source of humor. Mm-hmm. I don't. He has to I, be the audience. I have not in a way. seen Game of Thrones. I am pretty sure he doesn't crack any jokes in it. No. <laughs> Gemma Chan is the the main eternal that we follow along, and she's she very, is our protagonist. Yes, she's very good at being like empathetic to human society that the audience. <clears throat> and, yeah. She's got a lot of range because if you saw her in Humans, she had to play like a synthoid robot person with limited emotion. And here she's much more open. And just also a big difference from her uh, performance as Minerva in Captain Marvel, too. So, I wait, didn't even remember that Marvel? she was in Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel is Minerva. I don't she even remember that. She was a was. different character in yep. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's actually another actor in this movie who is in another Marvel property. That we'll yes. have to save that for spoilers, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, I liked her. Like she brought like a certain seriousness that I think helped. Um, you know, I, I liked her bit. Barry Keoghan stood out to me. Also, Brian Tyree Henry. He was someone who, when I think back, I think brought a lot of emotion with his character. And I, what's funny is he's someone else who I was mildly spoiled about something that he does in the past or that he had some type of connection with in a moment of, you know, major world history. And I, when I first heard about this, I like groaned inside, like, Oh really? They're doing this. But in the context of the movie, I actually thought it was really kind of heartbreaking. I thought that worked for me. Hmm. I don't know. Do you guys not agree? I I liked it. I, I have mixed feelings about it, but we can I, maybe wait till spoilers for that. Yeah, maybe we, yeah, spoilers, kind of. Yeah, I generally <clears throat> liked how, like, broody and talky this movie was. It kind of really hit the spot for me. I would say, though, the one character who really didn't work for me at all was Sprite. Um, I didn't like the character in concept. I feel like her characterization was very inconsistent in some ways because Sprite's whole thing is that she's in like a child's body yet her personality 
waxed and waned from, like, childlike to adult-like based on the needs of the plot. And I didn't really, like, get into her... I didn't really, like, get her relationships with the other Eternals. Like... So, for me, she was, like, the weak spot of the ensemble. Like, the Selma Hyatt character, I agree, was pretty much, like, just an exposition machine. But at least she was plot-relevant, and I think, like, the actress was giving it all she could. Sprite was the member of the ensemble that, like, I just couldn't roll with at all. Even though, again, the whole concept of, like, having to live forever in a child's body is interesting. But, like, they did it better in an interview with a vampire, honestly. Um, <laughs> so can I, like, poll the room about your feelings about Sprite? For me, she was, like... Um, yeah, I didn't feel, yeah, I didn't feel that strongly. Kind of, she's a bit impenetrable about... It's hard to figure out what she really wants. I mean, you understand that she has difficulty living the way she does, but it's just... But she also uh, doesn't but, but the thing the is, just, she does. Well... She can morph her body. We see this in, like, the first scene. No, like she, she just illusions. She doesn't actually change. Yeah, but if she can cast illusions, I kind of feel like a lot of her problems aren't really problems. Yeah, well, that's the thing also in contrast uh, to other characters. I mean, you have, like, a, a, at least a number of characters who are, you know, seriously trying... You know, they've had to reckon with the fact that humanity has been, you know, a lot has failed a lot of times at being, like, better than they can be. And the fact that they've, you know, had to stand back and let that failure happen. I think, I think the problem, now that you're saying it that way, I think the problem with Sprite is that she's the most self-absorbed of all the characters. Her problems are entirely internal. Where mm. it's like, she, you know, she might not know what she wants, but she knows, but all we know about it is, like, she has a problem with who she is and how she lives. Like, everybody else is just like, you know, Icarus has, ha believes he has this job he has to do, and he has to do his duty. Uh, uh, Cersei is trying to figure out what's going on. She's at least trying to solve the mystery and help everybody. Uh, what's his name who can control people? He wants to kind of just stop humanity from killing each other. Druic. Yeah, Druic. And, and same with the other guy, the guy who's, who's really good with, you know, machines and everything. That's everybody, close. yeah, everybody has this sort of, even if they're they're sort of done with humanity, they or can't figure, or just like Sigmund, like they're at least engaged with humanity and trying to grapple with it somehow. They're trying to take their feelings and and do something externally. Sprite's not trying to do any of those things. She's just she's not doing anything. Really. She has body dysmorphia. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. Uh. I mean, I, I don't know enough about it, but maybe you're onto something. I'm she, not sure. Yeah, she's an adult mind trapped in a child's body, and that's causing her issues. Yeah, pain. but I think the movie could have, though, still addressed that, or it, it could have executed that a little bit better. Yeah, it could have been better. I also I'm not sure how it could have been I'm done, sorry, but, Matt, but Matt. Yeah, but I also feel that they could have been more with uh, Ma Dong Siok's character, Gilgamesh. Yeah, yeah, he was like I, kind of. He kind of even, came and went. Even he, like, he's trying to take care of Athena, Athena yeah. which is still, you know, he's he's grappling with with an external problem, you know. And and Athena is trying to she she's trying to figure out herself too, but she's also still trying to be engaged and help everybody else. I mean, she has her own demons to deal with, but still, she's part of the group and she's trying to contribute. 
Yeah, well, and also, too, the fact that Sprite also, like, that has that, like, unrequited crush as well on, uh, yeah. on Icarus. But even then, it's just, like, she's not trying to... She's not trying to move towards Icarus. She's not trying to fulfill that, even if, if it's even possible. She's a, she's a bit underwritten. I think it kind of feels like also that like the rest of the group kind of underestimates her or just doesn't see her as much because she is in the child body and they are having the big mission. They're like Her needs are not being really communicated or looked on by the rest of the group. Yeah. But that they're not really there for her in the way she would have liked them to be step up to get her on par with the rest of them. I mean, that might be true, but it's just, it doesn't seem like the, the it doesn't seem like the film is saying that that's necessarily what she's trying to get. Yeah, I mean, it's like there's a lot of missing time in this movie that they kind of kind of cut out and or condense. So that yeah, the, it could be that Sprite's well, character is is perhaps a victim of well, some of that cutting. Well, that's why I think that for me, like, I mean, the main kind of mission story in the movie is more or less solid. Whenever they're for the most part, when they're cutting back to stuff that's in the past, you know, it helps, you know, it, the one thing that those scenes do, even though they're my least favorite parts of the movie, they help to fill in a little bit of certain gaps, like with, you know, Angelina Jolie. Sure. Um, but with Sprite, she's just kind of there. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't do a great deal in the past. Yeah. If they had focused more on her in some flashbacks, maybe that would have helped her like, and as i said she doesn't come off to me like an adult in the body of a teen in a lot of the scenes she just comes off like a teen yeah, yeah. but she's like uh she, she she's like a slightly better character than what we saw in like new mutants yeah. <laughs> well, i didn't see that so oh and also to her power ultimately to me i mean i know she can more oh, no not that that's not her i was getting her confused with uh the other girl i'm sorry the one who's deaf yeah, Macari's the Flash. Yeah, yeah. I was also thinking as you said the Flash. I for some reason I didn't think of the Flash. I thought of uh, the boy from the Incredibles. <laughs> the Dash, Dash, the Dash. Yes. Um, another thing I want to mention just really quick too. I also like how a lot of this movie looks. That's something else that I think sets it apart from at least a number of Marvel movies. And it's not like I have to have that in my you know films. I recognize, okay, these movies have a certain kind of, you know, look to them that is almost just part of the, the deal. But because, you know, you have a director like Chloe Zhao coming in who has, you know, her own kind of eye, like it's just nice to have at times like, oh, natural light. This is nice. <laughs> I don't know. I always thought that a lot of the scenes, at least in the present day, I didn't like the color grading because a lot of it looked too dark. Like the whole scene, the Amazon was just all. No, no, dark. that was that was a little dark. Yeah, and then like, but I don't know because they have they went to the trouble of giving you nice, colorful, <clears throat> different uniforms, and they all sort of looked like desaturated and not like you know if it's a, a Jack Kirby inspired movie, they should be really it's, bright and well, saturated well, that, and bombastic. That that part is uh, a flaw. Uh, 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 at yes, a certain sir. point, though, that becomes cartoonish. I don't care. I like cartoonish stuff. <laughs> I know. I What I'm saying is, is that I don't think cartoonish works here. Uh, Especially I, with this. Like, there are a lot of interesting points brought up in this movie. Where it's just, you know, when you ultimately find out what the problem is. 
there is a real dilemma about what everybody should do. I don't know if it's necessarily a moral dilemma since it's a hypothetical sort of metaphysical thing, but it's this idea of what do you believe? How do you think life is supposed to work? How do you think the universe works? Mm -hmm. And everybody has to make a decision about, is this the right thing that we're doing? Which is pretty good, and they have a conversation about it. Yeah, Not yeah. the kind of yelling conversation that they have in a lot of movies, but a lot of them just kind of try to talk this whole thing out. Yeah, and, and then, you know, Marvel movies are usually are pretty good at that. Like, I don't know if this is, like, my favorite one of, like, they have to talk it out type of thing. The but best it's one good. is Civil War. Yes, Heck yes. obviously. But no, nah, Matt's, Matt's giving, giving the thumbs, thumbs down. down. It's okay. It's all right, Matt. We still accept you. We, uh, well, we we love you, but we shun you for being wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, no, you're right, and that's like, in like on a like, I hate to use this word because it probably gets thrown around so much, but like on like an intellectual level, I was you know pretty engaged with this movie yeah. because of like those reasons that you're talking about, and because the movie makes it pretty you know makes it pretty clear about what humanity does to itself and how you know as much as the eternals have maybe tried to guide it in a certain way they go into the wrong ways you know into you know violence and uh you know destruction and all these things everybody gets a chance to go their own way but in the end they have to take stock of their experience and decide what the best thing to do is now yeah and it's also the fact too of where the eternals we where we know that they actually come from, which, I, again, I can't say. Well, on that yeah. note, how about we uh, give our sort of impression and then we move into spoilers. That's a good, yeah, it's a good place to give. Um, so overall, what I'm going to say is, for me, I, I like this movie. Low expectations really helped. Yeah. But I think the story is good. The script kind of is a bit clumsy and a bit bland, mm-hmm. but... When you settle down and just look at the story for what it is and not worry about the lines and what everybody's saying, I think it's a very rewarding story to go through and it's a very and it's a very interesting movie and it's different from Marvel movies, typical Marvel movies in a good way. Jack? Yeah, yeah, I would mostly agree with that. I, I, I kind of come out as like a mild, you know, positive on this. Like, I do think it's worth seeing, um, especially on like a really good big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but uh, about one little thing, by the way, if you see it in the IMAX, be prepared for a lot of aspect ratio changes in sometimes in the middle from shot to shot. That's a small filmmaking thing that bugged me a little bit. I didn't notice that at all. I noticed that a bit at times, like that, you know, where you get like, the full and then it cuts back to the bars and the I I know it's a nitpick but that drove me a little batty but again once and it 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 is a clumsy script there are points where characters are having to explain things and that can sometimes be a lot to kind of have to sit through um what helps again and in the 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 trick with exposition is do you have the actors who can make it not feel completely leaden. And for the most part, they don't make it feel like that. They keep things moving, especially once it gets past that. Although first to be half fair, hour. we do have an opening word crawl. Oh God, yeah, that was we terrifying. do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's like, oh, no, not no. They had to put words in front to make sure everybody was on the same page. Yeah, words. That's, on the ne- s- that's never a good sign, unless it's Star Wars. No, but you know. Okay, 
but 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 I in general again I liked it. Oh, one last thing: the uh, the final kind of action scene. Some of that is like that's you know the it, it's good. Some of it I still think also kind of gets a little bit much. Sorry about that. Uh, a thing fell. Um, but I yeah I come out mild thumbs up. All right, I would say I like this movie. Its reach definitely exceeds its grasp, and I don't think it can do full justice to every character it introduces or every moral quandary it introduces, but I really appreciated how ambitious this was. I really appreciated... It really felt like a breath of, uh, breath of fresh air. A fresh of breath air? A fresh of breath air? Yes. I know what you mean. I liked it. I liked most of the characters, and I found them interesting. I thought it was a good array of characters to assemble for a team movie, because I felt like they were different enough where you got a variety of perspectives, but you could also understand that these people had, like, deep relationships with each other. I would say, in terms of the visual look of the movie, um... The CGI, I think, looked better than is typical for Marvel. Like, the... I actually really loved how Arishem looked. Mm. The Deviants were, like, nothing special, but... Very stock. I loved how Arishem looked, and I really actually liked the final action sequence, because, A, it actually looked like they were in a real physical location. Mm. Yeah. And also... One thing I really liked about the Celestials is how well the movie communicated, like, their immense scale. They, like, they're Arishem, so huge. Arishem takes up the whole screen. Yes. And we just saw Dune, which is another movie that does a great job at communicating scale. So I liked the CGI, I think, is much better than is typical for Marvel movies. The rest of the movie, I thought, looked fine without being, like, spectacular in either direction. I've seen a few panels from the Eternals, and I've seen that very wild color palette. I would be happy to watch a movie like that, but I think it would have, like, a totally different, like, emotional tenor to it. Um, Matt. Yeah, so I... Didn't care about Eternals in the comics, and I was kind of meh on seeing this, but like I felt like it's an obligation to just see the next Marvel film. And yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by this that how much of it works. Like, mm -hmm. there's more of it works than doesn't, and like it actually feels like it fits in with the Marvel universe that's established for the movies much better than I expected, but at the same time. You could see it by itself without having to have really seen many of the Marvel films. So it could be more freestanding yeah. than most. Yeah. So I feel that this is like like a good, nice, like you said, a breather film. It's got more um, style to it. I'm not necessarily sure if it's the right style for this story, but it looks and feels different than most Marvel films are given mm. a new way to do. So, and yeah, so I feel <clears> that's a good movie. You can see it. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a weird way. One last thing I wanted to say, though, to that Matt is that I, I almost one, I almost thought maybe if, if this wasn't a Marvel movie, I might have liked it a lot, might maybe more. I don't know. I know that's hard to separate that because yeah. it's so you know it, it has as a main crux involving you know the 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 
emergence and the snap and all that, but like I, I, I think if it wasn't a Marvel movie, we'd see it as sort of generic and derivative, where it's like it's clear that all these characters are stand for other types of characters yeah. and other but, much more well established things. But I think, but what the, the thing is though, then I, but as you, as we talked about, as Matt was talking about, when I think of Jack Kirby and Marvel, I think of like Thor Ragnarok. I think of to an extent Guardians of the Galaxy two. You know, those are movies that manage to have, like, that deal with some, you know, you know, at times serious themes while looking very, like, bright and colorful and kind of capturing a little more of that aesthetic. So maybe not, like, the best Jack Kirby adaptation, but it's a good one. Okay. So I'll leave it at that. So <laughs> now we're going to talk about spoilers. Spoilers! Arashem, Arashem says this is where spoilers begin. Well, they're heroes that look just like you and me, hiding among us until their powers are needed to save the planet. Is he an Eternal? Could be. Are they Eternals? Are you an Eternal? If you say so. There's a hero hidden in all of us. Unlock yours inside every Happy Meal with protein-packed milk in a toy from Marvel Studios Eternals. Only in theaters. Ready PG-13. So, Matt. Yes. Explain the post credit scenes for us, will you? Okay, so there's Pip the Troll, who is, I believe, a genetically engineered troll from space who teleports, and he hangs out with Adam Warlock and the Infinity Watch a lot. And then the other guy with him is Star Fox, who is the brother of Thanos, and he's also a Titan, and he has the superpower of rape. <laughs> Oh my god, what? Yeah, they neglected to mention that in the yes. post-credits <laughs> His superpower is making people fall in love with each other. Or him. Oh, it's a very rapey type of power. Yes. Okay, whoa. Wow. I, was that, like, I looked it up. Was that Harry Styles? Harry Styles, yeah. Oh my god. And so, yeah, oh. so... That, yeah, I mean, I... It's But the funny thing was, to me, in the theater, like, somebody's like, who the hell is that? <laughs> it's like 99% of the audience isn't going to know who those people are. Yeah. But however, what's interesting though, Patton Oswalt. Yes. Who, you know, previously was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And MODOK. Oh, right. Oh, I still haven't seen Mo. So he's three different characters. Well, no, MODOK's not real. Well, he's a lot of different characters on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. Well, I, I imagine that a lot of different characters. Yeah, he plays brothers, so there's more than one of him. Oh, it's one of those kind of things. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of fun. Oh. After makes... praising the CGI in this movie, the CGI on Pip the Troll was atrocious. It was Total rushed. eyesore. Yeah. That it feel... was hideous. Yeah, that... I don't know why they just didn't get Patton Oswalt yeah, to just play the get character. Patton Oswalt in the flesh. Yeah. He's seven feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope he doesn't well, look like now, that in any future now, Marvel film. Now, hold on. They already did that gag in Infinity War with Peter Dinklage. Yeah. There we go. Is um, he going to look like oh, that in the future? I don't know. I had a, I had something I wanted to bring up. And this sounds like I'm, again, getting into little things here. But, like, so in, in, the, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Batman and Star Wars exist. Yeah. Sure. And, and why wouldn't Well, they? we already know, we <laughs> already know just, Peter Parker kind of referenced Empire Strikes Back in Civil War. Oh, right. Oh, I Moron. forgot about that. 
<laughs> and the other scene. Okay, All right, but but Batman. Yeah, explain though. the other. Scene. The other scene is Dane Whitman opening the the case that has the ebony blade, which Stina and Sprite were talking about earlier. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Because he is the descendant of the Black Knight, and so his uncle was the previous Black Knight, and he's the new Black Knight. And sometimes they're super villains, but he's a good version of the Black Knight. But the Ebony Blade is cursed. It's like a, it wants to make you like a serial killer the more you use it. And so, but he. I like how they slip that in a little bit into the plot, where it's where um, where where Cersei is talking to her boyfriend on the phone. And she said, why don't you make up with your uncle? Now would be a very good time. Yeah. And, oh, I missed that. Yes. And then at the end, when everything has been resolved, he says, yeah, I talked to my uncle. And uh, apparently my family has a history. Uh, and they leave so, it until the post credit scene. Now, now, I had a feeling it was the Black Knight. Now, now do you think... Because who else would be British and have a sword? He's actually not British in the comics. Well, I didn't know that. Oh, and sometimes yeah. he has a lightsaber. Is well, he a good what, character? what the hell? <laughs> Would you say he's a good character? It depends who you ask. If you, he looks cool. Well, I'll ask you. Do you think he's a good character? I mean, it depends how he's written. He's like like a D list character, so okay. he he oscillates between like being used well and being used terribly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's. Huh, that's an interesting point. I don't know how to address that. Uh, Are there plans for a Black Knight movie? I think that they're he's just going to show up in the Eternal sequel or maybe some other stuff. I don't know. Like, That's cool. He joins he the Avengers, the... so he's he and Cersei could definitely show up in an Avengers sequel. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. In retrospect, we should have known that something was up with uh, Icarus when he said, like, I could lead the Avengers. No, he couldn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but, like, that he, you know... He he could he's a jerk at points. He yeah. smashes that table. He's also, a... uh, in Star in uh, Spider Man Homecoming, he, Peter has a big Lego Death Star. Okay, right. all right. <laughs> I, so it's not the first Star Wars reference in these movies. Yeah. I get it. I was actually quite um. But it's still the the Batman thing is a, is an and interesting Superman. choice. Yeah. yeah, and Superman. But anyhow, so I I don't know. Were you guys um surprised by the twist? I I should have seen it more coming. It made sense once it was revealed, yes. but it, it, I had a feeling that Icarus was holding something back because they did the thing where it's like, I have something to tell you. Oh no, we've been interrupted by an attack. And it's just like, oh, this is going to come back. But I didn't know precisely what it had. I, context clues wise, it's just like Selma Hayek died off screen. Which never happens, unless it's important that she died off screen and we don't know how she died. And so, they were either going to come back to that, or they were going to explain it somehow. And they ended up doing that. It's just like, I felt like, I, in, in, in vague steps, I could see where the film was going, but the way they explained it was actually pretty good. Yeah. It, it made sense. For God's sake, they had a twist that made sense. Yeah, that, that was good, like, because he was so stiff, but then when he gets a twist, he's like, oh, that's why he's such a dick. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, it, it continues the Marvel tradition of characters that shoot lasers out of their eyes being dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's an easy joke, but I had to make it. Yeah. Uh, it but, was yeah. a good way, it was a good way to deal with, too, 
what kind of sociopath would abandon his girlfriend of 5,000 years um, yeah. at the drop of a hat? And oh, yeah. Although, to be fair to him, and, you know, technically, all the Eternals are robots. Yeah. <laughs> technically speaking, they are robots. They've all been created by Arashem to, you know, do the tasks that he's laid out for them. Yeah. But, but, you know, in a way, this is a story of, you know, these, you know, beings, like, gaining their own, uh, you know, consciousness and realizing, hey, we don't have to follow, like, what our master has laid out for us. They became fi- traitors! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Yeah, yeah. It is a good point you pointed it out because you know there is the sense of fighting for hu- your hu- humanity. Yeah, to, in order to show that you're not just a tool. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're fighting literally for humanity, and then they're fighting to kind of just gain some measure of humanity for themselves. <laughs> yeah. which is which is pretty poetic, I think. Yeah, it's it, poetic, it, and know. it and it's different, and it's a slightly different take on what you get in some of these other movies where the char- you know you have the characters trying to save the world. You know, because it's, you know, not, you know, it's, it's really, you know, there are consequences involving like that, you know, what will, you know, what's going to happen if we, we save the world, but then that, you know, thing doesn't happen where all the other billions of lives aren't created. Right. And, and there are still consequences then where it's just like, well, you basically went against Arashem. He is going to come and get you. Yeah. And we don't know how that's going to be resolved, but that was a great way to... It, it is a cliffhanger ending. Yeah. And where it's just like Arashem comes, takes the remaining Eternals and says, okay, you did this. I don't... It's We're going to figure out whether humanity is worth sparing or not. And I, then they're gone. I guess the question then is, I mean, if there aren't deviants involved, like, do the Eternals, like, actually join up with the other, you know, Marvel characters? Or are they still in their own kind of well, space? That's the thing I'm kind of hoping for now. It's like, there are all sorts of Marvel characters now in the cinematic universe. And for me, it's just like, the one thing I hope for is just like, a random grab bag movie where it's just like pull some names out of a hat. This these are the people in your movie now. Yeah, and I, and I don't and will that happen? Probably not because it's probably not a great idea. Well, but it's something that could happen and that I feel like would be impressive. I don't. I don't think there's any reason why the Eternals would be deviants only. By the end of the movie, they're all either dead. Or disillusioned with their previous mission. They or have no they're off reason. the planet. Yes, but they have no reason to stick to their original, like, programming, so to speak. Another thing, again, with the whole, like, Sprite is just not, like, a good <laughs> character. Um, I totally didn't understand how much the movie let her off the hook at the end. Again, just because she's in a child's body... She has an adult mind and an adult level. She of is moral literally thousands of years old. Yeah, perhaps even millions of years old. And this whole idea yeah. that oh, we're gonna turn you into a mortal and then talk to you like you're our buddy still. Yeah, that wasn't a good. She thing. stabbed Cersei in the stomach. Yeah, in she the was back. Trying yeah, to, literally in the back. Yeah, she was trying to genocide. 
nothing about this character. She, she was on Icarus's side. It also does. It also doesn't make make a lot of sense because the, the movie doesn't let Icarus off the hook. He yeah. flies straight into the sun, literally. He he, he lives up to his namesake. Yeah. <laughs> I just think the movie was too chicken to like kill a kid, even though she's not a kid. And again, like and- what what could have <laughs> happened was that was that Drew uh, should have done it. Where it's just like when he knocks her on the head with that rock. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could have done more with that. You could have basically killed her right there. Yes. But, you know, it might be a bit of a, it might yeah. be a bit of a cowardice on the filmmaker's part. But, you know, you, you, you do have a point. That's an inconsistency. Yeah. I mean, for God's sake, you know, Icarus murders uh, Ajax. Yeah. And sets it up and keeps the secret from everybody and he's known about this the whole time and he tries to kill them all yeah. and he dies and uh sprite tries to murder them as well and is in on the plan and yeah she doesn't get the same treatment yeah and it's not even like she is part of the plan and then she backs off at the last minute She's part of the plan until the plan fails. Right. And I guess, like... Until she gets hit with a rock. (laughs) And I guess, like, she's going to live a mortal lifespan and die, but, like, why are they her buddy at the end of the movie? Yeah. Because everybody's tired. (laughs) Everybody's just like, it's been a long day. We had to kill kill a, a god. Well, maybe they also know, like, maybe you're... It's enough punishment to just, like... Be living as mortal in this world. She yeah, at the, very, <laughs> at the very least, Icarus just stops because he can't kill Cersei. Yeah, he 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 decides that of all he can kill everybody else, he can kill Ajax, and when, but when it comes to her, like the one person that he actually loves, he finds his limit, mm-hmm. and that's like the and it's the one redeeming thing about him. And still, he has to burn to a yeah. crisp by flying and, into the sun. Yeah, and that's a that's which is ju- really well. and that's justified because he's just done so much bad stuff. You can't let that go. Yeah, I, I Sprite deserved at least some sort of punishment. Yeah, at the end, I guess her they, punishment is that she goes they, to school. They, they could have sent her to the Phantom Zone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At the end, when they all do the Unimind, I was kind of disappointed that they didn't show Kingo getting into the Unimind as well. Yeah, that's an interesting location. point. Where was he? Like, I he know that he, he's, he sat out the fight, but he's still one of the Eternals. Yeah. He, that, was a, that was an interesting thing that the film stuck to. Kingo decides that the well-being of the universe is, is the most important thing. He's not going to hinder them, but he won't fight with them. And so he opts to stay out, and he doesn't come back at the last minute. He just leaves the fight but, entirely. Yeah, and it's weird though, but he comes back when they send off. Uh, Sprite. Yeah, Sprite. I mean, but even then, it's just like, well, he he went with his conscience. But even then, I think that like they should have had like a scene with him in another location being inducted into the Unimind because everybody else gets added to the Unimind. Yeah, isn't the Unimind what... not as powerful without him? Yeah, it's like everybody together, regardless. It's a good point. Like they're all Eternals. You're all in the Unimind. Automatically. Yeah. I was almost worried that, like, did something happen with Kamal and Johnny? They couldn't do the scene? <laughs> I was kind of shocked that I read this interview with him in Vulture, and it talked about his extreme body sculpting for the movie and how it kind of gave him, like, a mental complex. He absolutely did not need to do that for this movie at all. He's never shirtless. 
He's never like and, super. I mean, he well, well, I think he he needed to look maybe a little bit fit because he's a Bollywood star. But to the extent that he made himself, no. So, I said I really enjoyed his performance. I really enjoyed the character. But after reading this long interview with him about the real tortures he put his body through to achieve this ridiculous, like, 4% body fat ideal. I have no idea why he did it, because it was totally unnecessary. You listen a few scenes. Maybe they uh, maybe they went up to him and was like, hey, are you going to do this part? It's like, okay, I'm going to start losing weight. No, you don't have to. It's yeah, Chloe <laughs> Chow told him that. Apparently, Chloe Chow told him, like, you don't have to do this. I'm not asking you to do He's this. He's already, like, mixed up, like, five protein shakes. <laughs> and he's just like, what? I can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> he's carrying the jug around and just drinking I, it. You know what I want to see is, like, maybe they could do is like, a special feature on the Blu-ray or something like that. Have, like, a full, complete scene of one of his movies. I would love that. Yeah, that could be fun. Like, some, <laughs> some of those Bollywood productions, like... That was just, like, a sample of how sometimes crazy those things can get. Yeah, and I think one thing to recommend about this movie is I'd want to see some of these characters again, you know what I mean? I want to see more of them in yeah. the future, so... And and now that they've set them up, now we can... We don't have to do the whole, like, getting to know the characters. We can just have a story with them. What did you think of that sort of middle-of-the-film reveal of the sort of... of the? Um, deviant villain there's that deviant mm. that sucks the power out of the dead eternals and it mm. talks to them and you and he basically states his motivation you have basically murdered my entire kind and that's what and that's I, why i will never stop hunting you i think they could have done a little more with that it's an interesting idea but it's and they they come back to it in a way towards the end with thena and like, and that's I think actually one of my favorite. It's a really good movie. payoff. Yes. Yeah, it's a good payoff. That was like the one time I think the audience actually applauded in the yeah. movie. Yeah, because it, it pays off that. But I think maybe the because the movie doesn't have enough time to explore that idea. It's just kind of brought up, and but then they have to get into the 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 main meat of the plot. You're saying that even in a film this long with this many characters, there are th things you just kind of have to let go. Yeah, well, also, too, I, I mean, ultimately, the Deviants seem like they are the main threat of the movie, but then the threat is really something that's much, like, larger. That, that villain kind of allows you to wrap up that entire thread while still having some sort of real menace to it. Yeah, but at the same time, though, there is still... It was a really... Been, that could have also just been something else, though, in the movie, though, that is not... That does again doesn't quite come back. It was a really neat development though, when it's just like yeah. suddenly he starts talking and it's just like, whoa. <laughs> I liked it. There's this TV critic that I like named Brian Grubb, and he talked about how in TV he's a total sucker for a you're not we're not so different, you and I <laughs> He says that he they're like total catnip to him. And I, too, can appreciate a good... Because that's basically what his monologue is. Like, that's not the words they use, but the core of it is, like, you, we're not... That, yeah, now that you mention it, it's one of the more interesting bits of dialogue. Yeah, like, I thought it was well-written, and I thought it was appropriate thematically, because the movie is wrestling with 
the morality of the Eternals. And, you know... It's, I, it's like stages of a rocket, where it's like when, the, when a rocket launches, like you jettison the first stage when it runs out of fuel, then you jettison the next one, and then you keep jettisoning and jettisoning things until finally you have the one thing. Where it's like, in order to make a Celestial, you have to, like... Use these things, get rid of them, get rid of them, get rid of them, until you finally have the thing. Yeah. So it's so it, it is a really important development, I think, where it's just like it, it ends up being this very personal thing instead of just yeah beasts running around and fighting against the main characters. Yeah, because the beasts are like the least one of the less interesting things in the movie. Although I did I, like the design of the deviants better when they were the more animalistic than when they became humanoid. Well, there was only one humanoid one. So. Yeah, his name is Crow. I looked that up. There was the voice. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, I looked that up. Yeah, good for him. Still getting work like that. All right, I think we've. Uh, are there any more spoiler things that we should bring? Be bringing. You up? said you wanted to talk about the Hiroshima scene again. Yeah, why don't we talk? Yeah, about so that? basically, what happened? What the the scene in that in the movie? Um, that like we we when we when we go back to what was. Tyree Henry's name again? Fastos. Fastos thing. Yeah, Fastos is, you know, when he, you know, again, everybody kind of breaks off in the Eternals and does their own thing for a number of centuries. Fastos keeps on, you know, trying to develop technology for humanity. They show him early on that he creates, like, the steam engine, but that's a little too early, so it's just like, all right, we'll give you the plow. That's a funny moment. Yeah. But then it's revealed, oh my god, I happen to kind of you know, come up with the kind, of, the sort of technology that humans use for the atom bomb on Hiroshima, and they never say explicitly what he does. No, but that's why I liked the scene because it seemed more to me that he, it was more in keeping with his character that he was, you know, really, you know, had his full like Alec Guinness and River Kwai moment, like, my God, what have I done? type of thing where his like you know maybe kind of slightly obsessive need, need to try to do things to help humanity completely backfired and i think it was more about how he felt in that scene than some like kind of contrivance but hmm. you didn't agree with that i mean i'm not sure because like at first when i i heard about that scene i thought that meant that he was directly involved with the manhattan project and I was kind of like, I don't like that necessarily. But then here it seemed like, oh, just in general, I think that my influence in giving technology eventually led to this. Yeah, but which I, is, I'm, I, not, I'm not sure really how specific we're supposed to interpret that his involvement was. He must have done. It's I, a bit vague. I, yeah. it's, it's vague enough, though, that I think it works because it. my reading of it is he did something to do. He had some type of role to play you know, possibly with, you know, if not the Manhattan Project, something involving what le leads to nuclear I, I think in it's sort of a general thing, where it's just like, if you talk about technology and the dark side of technology, what is the darkest creation of mankind? Yeah. And it ends up being the atom bomb. If you point to one piece of machinery, that's it. And for a being whose whole thing is technology and science for lack yeah. of a better word it's just like well there that that's that's what these people have been working up to and that's the worst thing they could ever make yeah and partially that's on you yeah and i think like the i think the idea of that worked 
for me. Like it, it didn't they, in a way because they didn't explain more of it. It was better than if they had like said I, like he was you know doing this thing that led to that thing that led to that thing I, on a more personal. I think level. though the deeper you scrutinize it, the the more it falls apart. Yeah, well, that's why I want to try to keep it more about how the the character felt in that moment. Yeah, they kept it strategically vague. I personally didn't read it as he had he directly worked on the atom well, bomb. I read it as his um. Cause it, I didn't read well, it being that close, but because he's shown as being very, I guess, like paternalistic in a well-intentioned mm. way towards humanity, I understand why mm. he felt the way he is. He, had, he is he, literally paternalistic. He, he is a father. Yeah, <laughs> he's paternalistic. He had, well, he had he faith that humanity could do, you know, incredible things with something like, again, like a steam engine. And instead they use it to, you know, completely decimate one another. And... You know, it, it, that faith, you know, is completely shattered, and that's why he steps away. Um, but but by the same token, it's like, you know, uh, sort of uh, the paternalism is what, get, what gets him in trouble. Uh, it's actually being a father that brings him back. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. On a, yeah. On a more personal level, yeah. That, that he keeps it simple. He's just like, I'm going to make a bike. And maybe some glass to protect my mouth. Um, yeah. I think this is another case, though, where, again, my low expectations were were good for me. Because going in, I had, I thought this was like... Maybe, again, this is where maybe Twitter... I should stay the fuck off Twitter sometimes. Yes. Um, like, people are like, wait, so you're telling me that this gay black character is the one who is responsible for the atom bomb? How dare you, movie? And... <laughs> Well, stay off of Twitter. <laughs> Nobody has anything good to say on Twitter. I gotta say, going back, though, to the script, there are a lot of dumb objections in this thing. Yo, oh, yeah. I am a father to a child, and I have a husband, who will both of whom will not survive the emergence, which is about to happen in several days. I don't know if I want to help you stop that. <laughs> oh, I'm part of this community where I help, where I've looked over these people for 20 generations. I brought them here and I've shepherded them. I don't know if I want to help you not destroy the earth. Yeah, that that part. That's is a weak it's point. it's very artificial conflict where it's just like if you look at that clearly, they may not like each other and they may have problems, but the writing is on the wall. The earth will be destroyed and not destroy or not destroyed. You have a part to play in that. Well, they also bring up... You, you can't I'm seriously sorry. you can't seriously tell me that being angry at the people you love is going to stop you from trying to save your family. Yeah. Drew I mean made you, more sorry. sense to me than um, Fastos because Druig had become very cynical. And, I mean... He was pretty. He pre he was pretty down on all the humans that he wasn't mind controlling. Yeah. So I could buy that he would accept the end of the earth, but you're totally right about like Fastos, who has everything to live for, and in fact is invested in humanity, probably more than anyone else. Yeah. Like um, that, that whole argument. Cersei. That whole argument to me just is just bad writing. Yeah. Because it's just like they've manufactured just so they can have a scene, and you know if you don't have that, then it's just like, do you want to join us? Okay, then it's done. 
but still in a long movie like this, you can afford to lose some of that. And also another funny thing about Droog is that um, aside from being like set up as a misdirect for the secret traitor bad guy, is that in the scene at the Tenochtitlan when the Aztecs are being massacred by the conquistadors and he's like being all grumpy, he's like saying, this is genocide, what do we do, we can't let these people kill each other, but I'm like, dude, you're killing all the deviants, that's genocide too, why are you okay with this genocide and not that genocide, it's like, because they look like they're characters in Beast Wars, genocide at that point, it's like, no more genocides, (laughs) (laughs) one and done. Yeah, it's like, only yeah. do genocides if it's specifically said so by Arishem. All their genocide is off the table. Yes. Yeah, well, that's why I think that scene where the one deviant talks is um, yeah. important for introducing that level of moral complexity. But at that point, all we see of the deviants is that they're like vicious beasts. But then they should have said to Crow, hey Crow, we've got to stop Icarus because he's going to make the this, um, a celestial team at come and destroy the Earth, but you, we can team up and kill him, and then the problem will be solved. Yeah. I got the impression, though, that the Deviants needed to, like, suck out the powers of the Eternals to kind of... I thought it was almost like George Romero and, like, the smart zombie. Yeah. yeah. Where the Deviants... <laughs> In the absence yeah. of dead Eternals to feast off of, the Deviants would have never taken that next step. Oh my god, the Deviants yeah. can, can use guns. That next evolutionary <laughs> step. Like, Why can that Deviant suck the powers out of an Eternal when no other Deviant has done that? Because the... I don't know. <laughs> George okay. Romero, smart It's zombie. okay to say I don't know, because maybe the film doesn't know either. No. It All just right. happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just we like, got one good monologue out of it. We did. They used it well. Yeah. I like the part at the end where Ic- where Makari was using super speed to beat up Icarus. That oh was, that was yeah, cool. that was great. Yeah. yeah, that was that was fun. Oh, uh, we were we were just hungry for that because oh, okay. you know he's Icarus has been such a jerk. Yeah, yeah. It, he he and when I think back, Richard Madden. Yeah, he ultimately plays that jerk pretty well. Yeah, yeah he did a good job. Well, I, 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 actually, I'm going to take back what I said earlier in the review. I'm going to take it back. Richard Madden, good in the movie. <laughs> Makari is the only speedster in the MCU who's not dead except Yo-Yo. Who's Yo-Yo? On Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh. But like, okay. they, they killed Quicksilver, and they killed um, Matt, the Wizard. what do I always tell you? And... The TV doesn't matter. <laughs> well, you know why they have to kill the speedsters? Because they're too useful. Yeah. Their power is too good. That's what they do in every X-Men movie. Yeah. <laughs> Quicksilver does his thing and then he's sidelined. It's a DC property, but when I watch Legends of Tomorrow, they briefly had a speedster and they had an entire episode about how the speedster Kid Flash made every other legend totally irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> um... All right, yeah, let's All wrap right. this up. Yeah, so I think that's uh, a good place to kind of wrap things up here. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you guys uh, have seen, I don't know if we have any last thoughts before we peace out. I think we've said it all. Yes. All right. This um, movie is better than they say. Don't be fooled. Give it a shot. Yes, yeah, slightly underrated, although still not in like a top tier level of Marvel. For Open me. your eyes, sheeple. Yes. So if you guys have Eternals thoughts, if you manage to see the movie, if you want to break away from, you know, those darn critics, 
you know, who are those people? Uh, yeah, don't listen to us. Yeah, <laughs> don't, yeah, don't listen to us. It's funny, uh, it's, Corey Colbert That's actually That's the name of our his, new podcast, don't listen to us. Yeah, C- Corey actually started his review of that on Double Toasted of this movie. He was oh, like, dude. don't listen to me. <laughs> it's a good philosophy. Yeah, but if you want to listen to us and have thoughts, uh, wagesofcinemagmail.com, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, we always post, uh, we'll try to post more things. Uh, Matt, where can you be found? Um, I'm going to be at mattthecatania.wordpress.com. Well, I will have some sort of a word text type review of this. You'll have an opening crawl. Yes. <laughs> so thanks for listening, guys, to us uh, unpack this movie. And I'm sure we'll be back to unpack uh, another movie or even movies plural for you soon. Uh, until then, I'm Jack. I am Trash Panda Cory. I'm Andrew. And I'm Unimind Matt. <laughs> yes, we are in your Unimind. The Wages of Cinema is... Hugs! Alright, good night. And it when you said good. Thank you for this. Oh, you're welcome. So now that Captain Rogers and Iron Man are both gone, who do you think's gonna lead the Avengers? I could lead them. <laughs>